Very, very excited to welcome Thimon de Jong to our podcast series. And uh, this was recorded as part of the Bounce Summit. And I've been wanting to speak to Thimon for about three years. He's a, uh, he travels the world helping people understand behaviors, the workplace, what's going to happen moving forward. And it's a fa he gives a fascinating insight into things such as no, no workplace mentality, what's going to change post uh, post restrictions, how, it, how it's going to evolve in terms of human behaviors. Uh, he's, a, he's a fascinating man. Uh, and uh, I really urge you to check out the Bounce Summit and uh, listen to what Sinan's got to say. Enjoy. Good morning, Timon de Jong. How are you doing? Good morning, Gordon. Yeah, uh, very well. Uh, welcome in Amsterdam here, the home office, still the home office. Oh, we're opening uh, July 1st. Uh, okay. Until then, I'm, uh, I'm here. This is the attic of my home. Thank How are you? you? I'm very well, thank you very much, in, in a very wet England. But um, no, all, all good here. And thank you very much for joining us as part of our Bounce, uh, Bounce Summit, talking about how, where the recovery is uh, going to take us and what the world is going to be in the future. So we're really delighted to have yourself on for uh, some people will know you and, and, and others might not. But uh, you're, you're the founder of, of Whetstone and you travel the world and help, help businesses and organizations understand the future uh, and particularly in terms of, of human behavior. And, and you told me you're a, a, um, a social psychologist. Would you like to just clarify what that is? Yeah, so, so a, a, a normal psychologist uh, <laughs> studies the individual, and if you have yeah. any problems, then you can help an individual. And a social psychologist uh, studies and can help. So, yeah. so a social uh, psychologist, that's groups of people. So we study group behavior. And this okay. could be a small group, so it could be a, you know, a leadership team. But you could also yeah. say we look at a, a generation in a society or we look at a, at a, at a culture in the sense of you know, the, the, the British culture, for example. So okay. it's groups of people that we, uh, that we study. Okay, fantastic. And, and, and in, in the world of business, you apply, how does that apply in terms of, uh, of strategy? Because uh, you worked with, you know, you work with people like uh, Vodafone, Tetrapack, uh, Hewlett-Packard and some, and some of the, the big, big uh, corporations of the world. How does that apply in terms of shaping their thinking? So, uh, so my specialization within the field of social psychology is the future of human behavior. So we're, we're trying to determine and a bit predict because it's, you know, it's the future and it hasn't happened yet. So we're trying to see how can we expect people to behave in the future? And this could be uh, clients, customers. Uh, it could be uh, internally. So, for example, if a new generation enters the workforce, how should leaders deal with, you know, we've had the millennials, of course, and now it's Generation Z. Um, and how should these generations work together? Uh, it could be intercultural. So uh, that's not something I do a lot, but that's, you know, if we have a group of this country and we have a group of this country, if they work together, what happens then? Um, so it, it, it all depends. Uh, yeah. But the interesting thing is every company has customers or clients, yeah. every government has citizens and everyone has employees and colleagues. So, uh, you know, there, we, <laughs> we have humans all around. So yeah. you can apply all the research you know, in, in any kind of organization. No, brilliant. Okay, so 
that um, there's a few areas that I'd like to get into and really love your view on. Um, obviously, uh, in, in the world of recruitment, uh, we've got a membership around the world of, of recruiters economically, different regions facing different challenges. I think one of the interesting things that a lot of our members are trying to do is to understand how they re-emerge in terms of their proposition. And I'm really interested on your sort of big picture take on the relationship between the technological and the digital offering and the human offering. Is it going to change? Should, should we be thinking differently than, than pre-lockdown? Uh, well, we're now in the lockdown and everything or much has moved to uh, online uh, like we are having a discussion right now. And of course, in, in your industry, a lot was moving all right, uh, online already with the video interviewing, uh, the, the video resume, uh, emotion AI being used in video interviews, analyzing people's emotions, uh, and then you, know, you could use that. Um, but the thing is, there was always a human element there to balance the digital out. So your industry was quite digital already, but it was balanced out because then the second or the third round of the interview was a human one, or you had a digital assessment, but there was also a human assessment. Um, and now we have, well, I would say, I would say if you look at the research, we've digitalized too much. We're forced into this digitalization. And of course you hear all the, you know, Silicon Valley tech loving uh, companies, industries, and people say, oh, this is wonderful. We finally have true digitalization because we were still stuck in that old analog ways of the 20th century. But now this is the final push that we needed. Thank you, uh, COVID-19 for that digital push. But the problem is the balance is off and we are very social human beings. We'd like to interact temporarily. This is not the new normal. I would say this is the uh, temporary abnormal and not the new normal um, and we have to think of how are we going to balance this what we have right now how are we going to balance that out because people will still have the years also the young generations also if we have this for you know 12 more months how are we going to keep that human element in uh, and then you have people say yeah we're having a conversation now i can see you you can see me um, but that is not entirely true. Yes, I can see you. I've moved back a bit so you can see my body language, uh, which is one of the big problems of Zoom. But one of the, one of the big problems, you've heard of Zoom fatigue already? Uh, yeah, I've experienced it. But, uh, we all have, right? Yeah. So a big problem is that we were on screens too much already. You know, you were on your phone with the WhatsApp and the Facebook yeah. uh, tonight, you know, Netflix on the couch. But now, you know, we have all this digital, all these screens, but so there's just too much screen time. And then the problem is that many of these um, uh, conversations or meetings that we have, I have a Zoom call here. Yeah. This was last week. Yeah. I was in a Zoom call with 35 people for 45 minutes. And it, it felt like I was in there for a whole day. It was, you see tiny little, well, you only see faces, yeah. the tiny. There's yeah. a, a little bit of a lag, there's a bit of delay. You don't see body language. Most of our communication, as you know, is non-verbal. Yeah. That's why I moved back a bit so you could at least see my hands. Um, people are not watch, looking into the camera. Eye contact is extremely important, but now if I'm actually looking at your face, I'm looking like this. So you have conversations where people are not, it's impossible to mirror. And there's this whole list of things uh, which uh, from a social and, and from a psychological and from a neuro perspective, uh, it's, it's wearing us out and it's very hard to build up engagement and to build up relationship just if it's just digital. So if, if, if in our world we, you know, um, 
There are people who operate transactionally. Uh, I, need, I need a, a body for this job. Uh, I'm, fill it for me. Uh, where the best recruiters are, they're very focused on relationships, on partnerships, etc., uh, etc. Et so, to be to be effective at relationship building and developing true long long term partners, is it going to spring back to where it was before, or are you anticipating that actually it, there'll be a, somewhere in the middle? Well, hopefully, hopefully we'll go to best of both worlds scenario. It's not going to stay like this. So if you hear the digital gurus say this is the, the, the new normal, we're going to stay like this. No, uh, temporarily we're fine, but we want to actually meet up and, you know, actually physically be in the same room with people. Yeah. Uh, there's a small percentage of people that loves this. If you look at the research right now, 15 to 20% of people say, hey, this is great. I, I don't want to go back to the office. Just leave me in my, in my home office. I'll be fine. But around 50 to 60% of people say, I, you know, I want to get back to the office as fast as possible. Uh, I don't care about the commute. I don't care about that awful open office that we have with all the noise and, the, and that, 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 that awful colleague sitting next to me. Please get me back into a group of people. And then yeah. you have a, another group of people uh, 25 to 30% that says, well, I can bear with this, or we should have a little bit of both. But the vast majority wants to get back with real people. So if you're in recruitment right now, uh, how can you, I, I would actually say, how can you build it in as fast as possible? So is it possible to set up an office or a meeting space where you actually physically meet? Maybe there should be like one of those transparent screens in between. Yeah. Um, to actually, you know, I physically care about the fact that we are physically meeting up. I also recommend uh, switching off Zoom or Skype or any any of this, and to do actual old-fashioned phone calls. It's, so it's coming back. It's coming back, isn't it? Well, yeah, but there's a very important. So the problem with this is there's a tiny delay, and we don't see it, or you have to pay very close attention. There's a tiny delay in audio and video. And subconsciously, that takes a lot of neuroprocessing power and it wears us out. There's no delay on this. And so if you're having a phone call, I can just sit back, close my eyes and really tune in to what you're saying. And if I really can tune in and concentrate and my brain doesn't have to work with the fact that I don't see your body language, I don't get eye contact, there's tiny delay. So with, yeah. with this, I'm just going to tune in. So I would advise right now phone calls and try to set up a physical meeting space. And if you don't have the office to do that, you might found you know, a coffee place or a restaurant where they have everything set up where you can actually physically meet. Okay, fascinating. So, so let me, uh, um, the other thing I'd like to, to touch on that I know you've got some interesting thoughts on it around um, trust. Yeah. Can I add, add one more thing? Go on. So um, many people say, all right, uh, and you might have heard this, that habits change and you only need 66 days. This is famous number, 66 days habits are changed. So we're in this, in this environment right now for more than 66 days. So, you know, we will have changed. So we're not going to bounce back to normal yeah. uh, because we've been in this so long and we're going to stay in this for quite a while. But the other side of that argument is that when we get a vaccine or a medicine, it will only take 66 days to bounce back to normal. Yeah. Take flying. We're not flying right now. I'm used to that. That's fine. But everything opens up again. It's safe. The prices go back to where they were or approximately, I think in 66 days, we'll all be stepping onto an airplane uh, again. So the habit thing, <laughs> yes, but we're, you know, it can easily bounce back. Okay. In yeah. A month's time. 
Yeah, okay, interesting. Um, if, just picking on that relationship thing we were talking about. So again, in the world of recruitment, relationship partnership, partners, uh, partnership is, is, is where it's at. We want a long-term win-win relationships. Um, you talk about trust and, and, uh, and I know you, you, you've got some thoughts and ideas about how somehow the sort of trust, the, the influencer of trust has shifted a little bit recently. Would you like to share your thoughts on that? Because I was fascinated when you were telling me that. Yeah, so um, there are several ways of measuring trust in society. It's, it's, it's a wonderful topic to research. I have a few, I actually use props in my presentations. I have a few here. So the interesting thing is that the, the, the crisis we're in marks the end of a 15 year long trend. Yeah. Uh, and here are the two sides. Normally I have a wonderful slide with axes and everything, but now I use, <laughs> I use props, I yeah. screen sharing. So uh, let, me, let me do it like this. All right, so what we've seen over the past 15 years is that trust has been moving towards the informal and personal. That's yeah. what, what's happening to last week. So that is towards uh, social media is here. Yeah. Populist yeah. politicians, people with an opinion, with an emotion, um, agents and representatives of brands instead of traditional brands. Uh, or the organization itself. That is where trust has been moving. Thanks to the Corona crisis, 180 degree turn, and we're now moving this way, where we see trust moving back to politicians. For example, here in the Netherlands, trust in the Dutch government since the start of the crisis has gone up with 30%, 3-0, which is insane. It, it's unprecedented. Um, so we see traditional media with an uptick in trust. Uh, we see scientists and academics. We see globally that people say, we want to hear more from academics. And many people say, yeah, of course I want to hear more academics. Uh, no, because last year we had the climate strikes uh, and no one was saying, oh, please give us more of those IPCC, uh, the, the, the climate panel, bring in the scientists. We want to hear more of them. No, we want to hear from opinion leaders and the people who make for great content in a talk show. So trust is, and we can measure this, is moving here, the formal institutional. Um, and yes, relationships are extremely important, but also science, hard numbers, the facts, less than opinions, influencers, celebrities, trust yeah. moving this way during the crisis. We don't know how long the crisis will take, but I don't know if the crisis is over that we'll go back to the informal and personal, but for now, we're going this way, which is great news if you are a, a public institution. And, uh, but, e but, but equally in the, in, in, the, in the business world, uh, if, if we, and we've, we've brought many an HR uh, um, director from businesses, and we said, what is it about the, ultimately about the best relationships you have with recruiters? What is it that sort of defines it? And the one word that comes up more than any other word is trust. And and so it's, it's quite interesting where everybody's pushing their personal and business brands out there. So sending messages about that they are experts, et cetera. Mm. What this seems to, to reinforce is actually underpinning trust and whether we're in this current situation or not, that ability to back up, back up that personality with some, with some real data, some real intelligence. If you say you're an expert, prove it. Yeah. So, uh, yes, I mean, the personal is still extremely important. So it's not that you shouldn't focus on that anymore. Uh, but if you can formalize that with some research, some academic research, which you might think that used to be boring or that used to be old fashioned, yeah. uh, people in a crisis are looking or traditional media, for example, instead of everything on Instagram and, and TikTok and Snapchat. So 
we are th looking at the traditional media and the traditional sources of information. So yeah. I rather have, so it used to be all about peer reviews, peer reviews. Now give me an expert review as well from a trustworthy source. Yeah. Now, this is new and, and it's been 10, 15 years that we've gone the other way. So this is quite a, 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 a shift in thinking if you have to adapt to the formal institutional as well. And is, your view, and is your view that, again, with some of that, I know it's difficult to predict the future, but, but will, that, will that stay around for a while? That, that sort of, uh, not obsession, but that, the, the way that we value the, the data and the intelligence and research? That, that depends how long and how bad this crisis uh, will get. So if you, uh, if you would look at the, the historians, they actually say, well, if we get a vaccine somewhere next year, 2021, well, you know, this will be, we'll bounce back to normal, you know, this, this will be a, a blimp in history. Uh, if it gets really bad, we get a second wave and a third wave, we can't find a vaccine and we go into a depression instead of a recession, yeah. then, and if that lasts for a few years, then we might see fundamental change, which will last for five, 10, 15 years. But then, then you go into World War II kind of awful, crisis scenarios. It has to be really severe to be very long lasting. So I say for the crisis, people want more than uh, <laughs> an influencer or a user review. Yeah. We're gonna bounce, I love the, the theme, otherwise we're gonna bounce back quite soon. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so unlike our prime minister is not famous for detail, detail matters if you're gonna build up trust. Yes. Yes, and, and depending on where you are in the world, uh, there are wonderful examples of governments that, that <laughs> do well and, and governments that, that do, do well. We all know the examples. Yeah. Uh, but it's a wonderful example to, to analyze how governments approach this and what role they give scientists in, um, you know, for example, the, the, the briefings they do when they address uh, the country yeah. and then the response in the country itself. Brilliant, brilliant. Now, one other thing you, um, you, you've um, shared is, this, is a concept that I'd never, ever heard before of nurse leadership. Oh. Yeah, nurses uh, have had more prominence than they've had, quite rightly, uh, in the last 12, 13 weeks. Tell me more about nurse leadership. Yeah, so the, the, one of the dominant emotions that people experience currently in the crisis is actually a, a worry or sometimes even a fear. Who will take care of me? Who will take care of me? Uh, when I lose my job, when I get ill, if people are not worried about themselves, they worry about friends, family members, neighbors, my community, who, who will take care of us? That's a big question that we have now if the future is uncertain. Now, if you look at the prime caretakers, the people who's, in, you know, that, that is, that is them. It is the nurses. I have another picture here to liven things up a bit. Um, the, the nurses are the, the, the superheroes of this crisis uh, because that's what they do. They take care, even more so than doctors or surgeons, other healthcare workers. Why? Because a nurse takes care not only of your physical well-being, but also your mental well-being. I don't know if you've ever been in a hospital, uh, but who's the person you see before you go into surgery, when you get out of surgery, if you yeah. have to spend the night, there'll be a button there. Uh, and if you're scared or if you're in pain, you press the button and boom, the nurse is there. Here I am, how can I help? So if you know that, that this is the dominant, one of the dominant emotions in society, it will also be of your, your candidates, it will be of your colleagues, and it might be a fear you have as well. So 
the advice for leadership, if you know this emotion is there, can you take currently in this crisis a nurse leadership approach? Um, and to make it practical, because it might sound a bit vagueish, uh, we all have to-do lists. Uh, I advise keep your to-do list, but add a small to-care list. Who are you taking care of? And you can think of candidates as people who need your care. Or you can think of clients who now suddenly need a different kind of personnel or they have gaps to fill. And can you take a caring approach instead of, or, or next to a selling approach because they're sell or transactions, but now can you take a bit of caring, uh, a, a caring attitude as well. And say, here we have an Italian nurse. This is uh, the Vanity Fair from Italia, a recent one. They have a hashtag there, a trending hashtag, this real nurse, Iocchi Sono, which means I am here. I am here. So can you, as a business owner, or as a it doesn't matter if you don't have to be the leader, can you say to, you know, that approach, I am here for you. I'm, that, is, that is a nurse mentality. Can you give people the feeling, I'm here for you? What can I help you with? Do you need my care? I'm, I'm going to take care of you. Don't worry. And you told me in the conversation we had before that you actually opened up uh, the recruitment network. I, I, so for everyone to join, yeah. uh, I, I think that's a wonderful example of nurse mentality. Normally you'd say, all right, you know, but now we're going to open up. Everyone is welcome. We need to stick together and help each other out. And, and we're, we're going to be the platform for that. So you told me that when we spoke earlier. Yeah, I, definitely. Yeah. That yeah. is an example of the nurse mentality. So, so, the, so from the, whether, whether it's from the employee or from the client or the candidate, that, that kind of measure of who cares for me most out there could be part of the, the, the brand that we're trying to build. And what you, you're saying is that it's more relevant than it's ever been Yes. in, in, in the situation that we're in. Fantastic. Especially because you know, people are struggling with their mental health. So we see companies around the world opening, for example, a helpline uh, for employees who struggle mentally. Um, and it's a bit like the, the red button you have in your hospital bed, but then it's you know, a phone line and there are psychologists on the other side of the line or a coach. So if you struggle with the, all the insecurities, where, you know, and then the company offers a psychologist right there. So no need to go to a house doctor first or you know, all kinds of difficult things in trying to find a great psychologist. It's just something that the, 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 the company offers. I think those are great examples. Yeah. Um, and I know, you know most of you that work, you know, the clients are the large uh, multinationals, but you can think in the small scale, how can I build in some of that? Love it, absolutely. I love love that concept, uh, and 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 the whole. It's really interesting. The first two or three weeks in the world of recruitment, everybody it was all about empathy. What can I do? Yeah. To care for you, are you okay? How's your world? How have you been affected, etc. Forget the selling. Even forget the adding value to your you your thinking in your business. It's it's do you care? Um, I would advise to keep doing that. And if you, uh, you can't do it with all your clients, all the, but the, the people you want, you know, if you have colleagues, that's one thing, but also the clients you have a great relationship with, check in with them very regularly, but, but can be short. Yeah. So uh, I advise, you know, if you have colleagues, that's the easiest example. If you are a leader, check in with your team members, your direct reports once a week, once a week, individually. And it could be very short, it'd be five minute phone call, three questions, so this is the basics. Um, don't ask them how you're doing, open question. So what is going well? What's going not so well? And what can I help you with? 
three questions. And they might say, oh, everything's going well. No, you know, you know nothing, you know, don't. Fine, that's a, a 20 second phone call. Call them again next week. Uh, show them you're open for the good, the bad, and that you're there to help. And that's extremely important. And I don't know if you <laughs> ask those questions to a, a client, but it's a similar thing. Check in with people individually uh, and, and increase the frequency of doing that. Okay, brilliant. Love it. Okay, next, I'm going to slip in. Have you got a, uh, I want to just touch on Gen, uh, Gen Z. Yes. What do we do? Um, what do we need to be thinking about as, in, as employers uh, in terms of, forget the economy, forget the market, just in terms of being fit for purpose and being an appropriate employer to work with the Gen, Gen Z? Have you got two or three things that just to... Yeah. Um, so one fit for purpose. So Gen Z is so you know the economy and the labor market. This is not a great place when you're just finishing uh, high school. So this is not a great place to enter the job market. But the interesting thing is, so what research is showing right now, Vice Media has wonderful research on this, is that there is no resentment from Gen Z. So it's not that they're now pissed off at us. Uh, like it, we, you know, because they're teenagers, they're in the early 20s, they're not mad at the older generations for, you know, <laughs> they have no uh, diploma ceremony, graduation ceremony, sorry, there are no festivals anymore, they can't meet up. So, but they're not mad, they're actually, they're quite empathetic. So they're, they're very, uh, they're quite caring. And what I recommend uh, my clients is actually to tap into that. And for example, and that links to the nurse mentality, many people that struggle uh, take, for example, um, let's say older males like ourselves. So we're not yeah. 25 anymore. Yeah. Uh, if we struggle mentally, you know, if we ask a peer, they would say, "Ah, oh, man up, come on, it'd be fine. We had a crisis 10 years ago, you got fired. It's a bit talking about mental health issues. So I actually advise to use, <laughs> If you have young people under 30s, and you can even go you know, to Gen Z, 22, 23 years old, and ask them, can you help me out with this? I'm struggling with this, or I want to check in with some team members, what should I ask? Um, it's actually reverse mentoring, we'll be familiar with, but this is reverse mentally, uh, mentoring with mental health. So uh, use your Gen Z employees or candidates or clients. We used to see them as you're young, I'm old, I'm experienced, we know everything, we tell you how the world works. But when it comes to mental health, for example, you can use that in a reverse way. Okay. okay. A, a, a second thing, and that has to do with- they are more, they're, more, they're more caring than previous generations, are they? Um, I don't know if, I, I, so I, yeah, I would have to take a look at the research if I can say that, but they're caring in a crisis. So what you normally see in a crisis, and that's what we see with us, you're, you're focused on yourself. My family, my income, my job, my, my friends, my community. So people are focused inwards. Yeah. And uh, so early research in Gen Z and with Vice Media, you know, they have some wonderful research on this. I could share that. I don't know if you have footnotes or comments, then, you know, I can, I can send it through. You can look up. Uh, they stay empathetic and they stay... Well, actually positive. Uh, so they do less of closing down and we're now, it's all about us and we're gonna have a festival. Uh, and you old people, you know, old generations, you're, you've had your life now, it's about, no, none of that. So um, I think that's a wonderful trait that you can, you can tap into. Okay. On the other side, you mentioned purpose, extremely important. Of course, uh, last year we saw climate strikes around the world. Yeah. 
for years, people said about the millennials, they're clicktivists. If, if they disagree with something, you know, they just, they just click on Facebook. And, you know, this is the generation which, which protests like this. They're not going out on the street anymore. Gen yeah. Z came along, the Greta Thunbergs, and they were all on the streets protesting. Uh, and we see now with the, the, uh, with the George Floyd um, uh, protest, and again, spreading around the world, it's the young generation that is there. And all the research, you will know it, extremely a purpose is extremely important. And it goes actually beyond, uh, you know, the past few weeks you saw brands blacking out their Twitter. You put a black square there and that yeah. is a sign that we care. That's yeah. not enough anymore. That's purpose washing or woke washing, if you want to say very hip. Um, so what we see in research is that Gen Z actually wants to know what are you really doing? What are you really changing instead of handing it over to your marketing department? Uh, is there real, is there real diversity? Are you really having, you know, taking care of the planet? What's your sustainability? The, the things you say, do you, do you do it actually? Which is extremely important. Uh, I, I, not many companies are, <laughs> are doing that right. And Gen Z is still looking out for that. So that is a thing they want. So if you want to recruit Gen Z talent, um, this is an important thing because they're actively looking for organizations uh, who do the right thing, who, who not only say, but also act upon their purpose. So it's do it, yeah, do it, not saying the right thing. Yes. Which goes a little bit back to the thing you were saying before when, it, when, it, when you talked about the trust thing. I want, to, I want to see it. I want to see the evidence. I want to see the impact. Uh, I want to see the, I want to see the diversity, uh, not only talked about, but actually happening in the business, in the organization by my actions. Yes. Yeah. Wow. That is, um, I could spend another half an hour with you, Timo. Um, that is, uh, are we, uh, can you give me a little bit of optimism in terms of some of the positive things that we've seen in the last 12 months when you look at future behaviors as a social psychologist, some of the amazing positives about the increase in communities, the increase in caring that we've seen, people have been more caring towards each other. Can we, can we hope for or aspire to? Do you think it's gonna, we're gonna retain a, at least a, a chunk of that moving forward? We're gonna yeah. be a better, more humane world? Yes, I, so one of the positive things of this crisis is that people uh, actually now have time um, to reflect on the relationship they have. And uh, what you see around the world, indeed, people caring for their, you know, their close relationship, not your thousands of connections on LinkedIn. It's the people that are close to you. Yeah. And we see that the majority of people say, for example, in a family situation or a street, a neighborhood, that the crisis brought them together. Of course, there's a small percentage where, where things, but the majority of people said, you know, I, I now have a better relationship with my wife, my children, my friends. I call my parents more often. I might not visit them physically, but now I'm checking in every week instead of, you know, so I, I have different conversations. So I think that is a great thing. So they're, they're actually caring for each other. And um, it's actually wonderful that, that, that life has slowed down. You've heard the cliche, the world is moving faster than ever before. I, I disagree with that, but you know, we were at a fast pace for a long time and slowing down. And you hear many people say, oh, I wish we could have one or two months of this every year. Wouldn't it be great if society, business, you know, also for the planet, if we could just you know, slow pace, switch off, 
It is wonderful. Um, and I already experienced myself and I've heard people. So this is, I, I, I have yet to research this. So we're still in it, uh, but already nostalgia. So you feel society going back a little bit. There's a, light, a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Societies are opening up. Um, and I already have nostalgia back to where we are right now. A bit like when Obama was still in the White House, but we yeah. knew that in, in two or three months Trump was elected. So we knew Trump was coming and Obama was still there, but we already missing him because we knew <laughs> he would be going. Yeah. So, uh, and I hope we can, I don't know in which form, we can keep some of that caring and keep some of that slow down, quiet. You don't have to, you know, fill up your agenda and, 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 and take some time to reflect and not a day or a weekend, but weeks. Um, because I, the majority of people actually are actually benefiting uh, from this in the long run. Yeah, fantastic. Timor, I have absolutely loved our chat. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and views. And I look forward to meeting you in person. Can I, can I ask you how you, you see the coming months, years? What, what do you personally think? Are you optimistic? Uh, I'm, I'm optimistic because I'm a great believer in, in, in the goodness of humanity broadly. Um, and I'm optimistic. I'm certainly optimistic. I've seen some extraordinary things in the last 12 weeks, weeks just both in terms of communities coming together. Our own community has just been extraordinary, the way they've supported and worked together. Um, I'm optimistic about... Um, uh, I'm optimistic about that whole caring piece. Um, I appreciate it'll come back a little bit. Um, yeah. But uh, but but I do believe the economic impact of what we're, of what we're going through will emerge out of that, and we're seeing some positivity all, all over the place. And I just love the concept of this nurse leadership, and I, I really hope that uh, um, the more people recognise, particularly with the Gen Z uh, generation coming through, if you can adapt that nurse leadership and you can do the right thing because that's what really matters to the next generation and, and and you know as you know ultimately you've got to to build a great organization a great business you've got to have the right people and if the right people care about your purpose and care about actually what you do then i've just from this conversation i found that hugely uh, exciting actually and, and phenomenally positive and made me even more optimistic about uh, where, where we're going to end up so uh, no i really 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 enjoyed it uh, we'll we'll see you again and uh, very, very best wishes to you and uh, everybody over there. And whether it's in Holland or over in the UK, I look forward to catching up. All right. Uh, me too. Thank you, Timo. Thanks, Gordon. Take care. Take care.